Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Green Room Live post game. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Oh my God, guys! I how many more of these can we can we live through uh, these games? And I'll say what I said last game, and, and I'll, I'll emphasize it even more. Like this is kind of a fake game. Like you're already without Ellis. You're already without Couturier. Now no Provorov, no Giroux. Like, you know, they they have very little chance in games with these guys. Uh, tonight, the you just see a difference in two organizations. Now, Pittsburgh is close to back to full strength. And by that, I mean they have Crosby back. But we saw the, the roster, I think it was John Sequella during the game, uh, tweeted out the roster that Pittsburgh beat the Flyers with the first meeting this season. Uh, and it was on it, like... I don't know know if I'd say it's as good as the Flyers roster that they iced tonight, you know, on paper wise, but uh, that's an organization that gets it done. That's an organization that doesn't accept excuses. It is a true next man up organization. And now with Crosby back, Malkin coming back, how funny tonight was it hearing the broadcast? I think it was Ray Ferraro going on about how, how tough of a job Mike Sullivan has ahead of him. Uh, as he's going to be working soon, he's going to be working Evgeny Malkin back into the lineup. And, oh, man, you have so many depth guys playing well. How hard of a job it's going to be. Like, imagine. Like, no, the job he had at the beginning of the season was difficult, winning with a bunch of scrubs. But, like, to eat the mental gymnastics you have to go through to be like, Oh, yeah, the coach, he's got such a hard job. He's working in a first ballot Hall of Famer slash one of the best players ever <laughs> to a lineup that's outperforming expectation. How difficult of a job Mike Sullivan must have. I think Mike Sullivan is one of, if not the best coaches in the league. I'm not trying to, like, shortchange him. It was just, like, the level of analysis going on in the broadcast at that time. And I thought the broadcast tonight was, I mean, from the picture quality, audio quality, announcer quality. I thought it was garbage tonight, uh, but I'm sure we'll get into all that at some point. Uh, yeah, overall, uh, this team stinks. What else can you say? What? This is, you know, game 32. What else? 33? What else can be said about this team? They fucking suck. All right, let's see what you all have to say about them, though, and let's lead things off with Chris H. Chris H., you're live on the post game. Uh, hey, Bill, how are you doing? How's it going tonight, Chris? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just ready for the season to end. <laughs> I, I keep counting down. We're under 50 games. I think we have 48 games to go. 
And you know what's crazy, you know, because the game was so bad, like I was just paying attention halfway. I was like, you know, I'll look at the Penguins roster. And what stuck out most of, to me was that they have guys like Brian Rust, you know, Getzel, Zach Asnuis, Bluger. They're all draft picks or signings. And it's like these guys are producing for them. And we got guys, you know, that we drafted, you know, years ago. The only guy who's really producing is Farabee. I mean, how the, the Penguins, an organization that doesn't even get first-round picks, have these guys producing? Yeah, That's- like this is this is what you know, Nicholas Albe, Q Bell, that sort of that level of draft pick. You know, we, we often talked about like the Flyers aren't getting stars. It was the whole Hextall mentality. We're not getting stars at the top of the draft, but these second, third, fourth, fifth round guys, we're getting good value here. Not a one of them is a contributor. Like, yeah, Farabee is a first-round pick. Lindblom is a fifth. That's it. Those are your those are your draft pick contributors. Everyone else is a free agent or someone who was here already 10 years ago. Yeah, and it's it's insane. I mean, because, like, you know, if one guy goes down on this team, there's no depth. I mean, that's it. You don't have no draft picks coming up. You don't have – you should have a guy, you know, fourth-round, fifth-round pick. Maybe he's just a third or fourth liner, but at least you have him. At least you're no, not going to sign some bum. We've got to rely on, like, picking up McEwen and Brown off of waivers. Like, call up Max Willman. There's the answer. Like, these players – and there's not a doubt in my mind Max Willman would score 35 points if he was on the Penguins. (laughs) But, but, like, he's not. He's here, and he's just some guy. And he's, like, on the second line or whatever. Like, that's that's what – they're a team with no stars. The whole idea is we're going to win with depth. And every time there's one injury, it gets exposed. Oh, yeah, we have zero depth either. Like, what are they? What, how are they built? Who built this team? Whoever did it, like, the architect was drunk. Yeah, I mean, it's just insane. It's insane that they don't have a strategy. It's insane that there's – one thing, it's insane we're still fans. <laughs> uh, it really – that's during the game tonight, Chris. They, like, cut to a, a shot of the skyline. And they're like, great sports city, this and that. I was like, no, it's not a great sports city. It's a great sports fan base. Because all of the teams constantly fuck us. But the fans are still here. <laughs> well, I'll let you talk to everybody else, though, but thanks. All right, thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate it. Uh, oh, back-to-back Chris's. We're going to go with Chris Toff. Chris, you're up on the post game. Bill, I, I need you to help me with something. I'll see what I can do. 17,944. How could it be possible? I couldn't even watch five minutes of that dog shit. How could that many people, and it looked like most of them stayed, like, do we have that many people that are insane? I guess so. I was really, I, I kept it on through, uh, like, Pittsburgh. Like, they all go over to Jari. And, I, like, I kept it on until the end there, until they cut to the post game, just to see if anybody threw a jersey on the ice or anything. Oh. I, like, I was just hoping to see a shot of that, like, some sort of fan rebellion, like, people throwing shit on the I don't know. I, I don't want people to throw shit on the ice. Like, I, you know, if the game's not going on, voice your displeasure however you see fit. But, like, I don't want to see someone throw a jersey on the ice. But I also kind of do. <laughs> like, how? yeah, you're like, who would uh, – why would anyone pay money to see this team? And, uh, I mean, obviously that's not going to help the case for us doing a real rebuild. Uh, I mean, maybe these tickets were already purchased because, you know, 
they have looked they did look good for a couple weeks in the beginning. Flyers, Penguins, like people yeah. want to go to this game. It's it's a it's a hot commodity every year, no matter what. This team, though, man, I mean, whew, and you, you, we have 50, 48 more games. Oh my goodness gracious! Wow. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're down to forty eight, maybe forty seven. And you you tweeted about <laughs> the Flyers are hoping to get to twenty shots. If the box score is right, they got 20 shots. It was, I think, with around two minutes left, uh, Jari made that awesome save on Keith Yandel, and I think that was the 20th shot. Yeah. Keith Yandel, I can't – well, I'll let someone else bitch about him. Um, <laughs> it's not even worth it. It's like The list of problems – Like I would love for Keith Yandel be, to be our biggest problem at this point. That would be great if Keith Yandel was the problem. But, like – no, Scott Lawton's the one C tonight. That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 you know, when the team didn't have COVID, they were playing like this, right? Remember Chuck's infamous words? Maybe he's a fortune teller. We are what we are. Well, he was fucking right. We are fucking awful. Yeah, no, that's the, like, it really put into perspective uh, when uh, John Sequella, I believe it was, tweeted out the roster that the Penguins suited up to beat the Flyers earlier this year. And it was like, it wasn't in an NHL roster. And it just shows you the difference between the two teams. And, you know, yes, I, I, I believe tonight was a fake game and they never had a chance to compete because of the roster they put on the ice. But if they had the players they're supposed to have, they still would have lost. Maybe it wouldn't have been 6-2, right. but they still wouldn't have won. Right. Yeah. And the, the, I'll, I'll say two more things. One is, yeah, I think we're all coming to terms that G's going to be traded. Well, if Chuck makes the right move, I mean, clearly that's what has to be done. But What's going to be really hard is he's he's going to just win a cup with whoever he goes to right away, and that's going to be hard. Um, but but the other thing is like, I I actually am not getting frustrated anymore. I'm just apathetic about the team. I'm but just betting I, against them every night. And betting morning. against them. I want to see chaos, like you said. I want to <laughs> see them blown out. Somebody put on Twitter, maybe they'll have another ten game losing streak. Sure, why that'll be fun. Um, that'll be really hard to make the playoffs then with that. But, but the thing of it is when I think like you just said, the penguins, the penguins have won three cups in the Crosby era. And we (laughs) like compared to us, like, what have we done? We went to a Stanley cup final once and the rest of it has been complete torture. Yeah. What's they've been to what two Eastern conference finals and one cup during yeah, that's 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 as far as they've gone since since the lockout, the entire Crosby era. Two fi- two conference finals and a cup. Crazy. Thanks, Bill, for doing this. All right, thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Rich D. Alfonso. Rich, you're live on the post game. Richie, hit on mute. There you go. You got All it. All right, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. How are you tonight? All right, man. First, love your show. Long time listener, first time caller. I don't know where to start, man. I've been watching this team since the mid-'80s. We went to the finals versus Edmonton. This is not the Flyers. So my question for you is, if we were to trade everyone of value to build a defense around Carter Hart because a ham sandwich would score just as many goals as what we have now, is there any defenseman you think we could get to build something around Carter Hart? To build something around Hart? I I really think it's going to have to be – one of Provorov or Sanheim, and then young guys. I, I I don't know if I don't know if you can acquire what they need. Like 
it, it'll take a lot of uh, like a lot of risk, a lot of risks like you took with Ryan Ellis, and we see how that worked out. Like I don't know if it's like who would give up a stud defenseman at this point. Like look around the league at the top defensemen. Who's giving one of those up? Uh, I don't you know, know. There's not many. St. Louis just let Petrangelo walk. I mean, granted, they won a cup, so it's a little easier to swallow. But, like, they'd rather just hope to sign guys than give them up because they're so hard to come by. Yeah, they're like, there's no Desjardins or Kimo Timonen's out there, or we can't draft them. It's it's unbelievable. I watch tonight's game, and every time I think it's rock bottom, nope. <laughs> so, no, thanks, it's, man. It's going to take a concerted effort to draft these guys. Thanks a lot, Rich. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, like – they are in such a tough spot because it's going to be difficult for them to bottom out. And I don't know if there are enough band-aids in the world to patch this thing up to where it's got to be. Like they're worse off than when Hextall took over. And that's tough. That's tough. to That's tough to do. Harris Barnes, Harris, you're live on the post game. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. What is there to say about that game other than... Was it even a game? (laughs) I mean, it shows, and it's been this way for a while. I'll get to the point, the overall point in a sec, but, like, or I'll just say it now. I mean, the Penguins have a culture. They have an expectation to win every night, and the Flyers haven't had that since 2011-12. And does it go back to Pronger getting hurt or the team falling apart in 12-13 and, like, and Briere leaving, but like the Penguins, like it used to be before that point, the the Flyers had the team culture going back to the Broad Street Bullies days, and like you know the the days of Simone Gagne and uh, and Keith Primo and the Ronick and Amanti guys coming in, and the Flyers having that every year they played, even like guys like Lupul and Upshaw, and um, the Flyers haven't had that in so long, and is that the change of hockey and the personalities are different, but the Flyers just haven't been able to find the right mix. And it's just worn on Claude Giroux having to do it all every night. And just like, there hasn't been an expectation to win. And like this every other year thing there, the, the expectation win hasn't been there and it just worn on the leadership group. And I sort of have agreed with your point to, to some extent, Bill, but like, so it's partially Drew's fault, but the whole team drug him down too. So it isn't his fault. Yeah, no, like, I love Giroux. And, like, I don't want to put any blame on him, but at a certain point, like, it, it's it's a tough spot. Like, I don't want to say, like, it's his leadership because, like, I was just reading an article today about how Crosby leads by example and everyone follows and it's the perfect leadership style. Like, I said on the show a couple of days ago, the one guy's effort I never question is G. I yeah. know G is out there trying. Like he, he's too, I said, he's too dumb to take a night off. Like the guy plays through everything. He was playing through the hernia injuries a few years ago. Like we've seen him play through all sorts of shit. 
He's not a big guy, and he's never hurt. Do you think it's because he's lucky, like, or do you think it's because he just plays through it all? You know, so I, it's it's bigger than Giroux. It is a cultural. It is an organizational cultural issue. Like, and it's crazy with the Penguins. There have been years you look at like their 2013-14 team, for example. That team outside of like the top players, top two or three players, was ass, and they were second in the the entire East. Like they just. They've established something that, again, the Flyers haven't had in so long, and I don't know how you get it back. Like, there are decent prospects, but who's going to fill Giroux's shoes? And it looks like Couturier isn't that 1A option. He's a very good 1B, and maybe there's been injuries and that affects it. He's probably still like a 1B guy at the top of your lineup, and who's going to be that next guy? And, yeah, do the Flyers really need to properly rebuild But then? Like, is there nothing? Is it not going to nothing going to happen until 2027 when they're going to be a contender again? Yeah, it's they're in a they're in a situation. I don't know what the answer like. I don't I don't know what they should do. They are just so stuck where they are right now. It's uh, and there are moves they can make this year at the deadline. There are moves they're going to be able to make after this season that can make everything a little bit more like just a little bit more solid, give you a better idea of the direction, but you're still going to have Carter Hart. You're still going to have Kevin Hayes. You're still going to have Sean Couturier. How do yeah, you but, totally bottom out with those guys? You're not going to be very good, but I don't know if you'll be top three pick bad. No, and, and you just have to, if you're not going to totally bottom out, um, you're going to have to, with the group that you have now, you have to hit on lightning level picks beyond the first round. And the, the development staff hasn't shown that they're going to develop guys at the AHL level like Tampa has. So like, I don't know what's going to happen then. I agree, Harris. Uh, and thanks a lot. It's um, like, we can blame the Hextall drafts and the scouting and whatever, but the draft is such a crapshoot. At a certain point, you do have to look at the player development as well. Like there's, there's very little chance that all of these guys just aren't that good. You know, like at a certain point, guys just hit their ceilings prematurely. I don't know what it is, but it it, it, it goes so far beyond just one thing. Oh, it's Hextall's drafting. It's Giroux's leadership. Like, there's just bigger things at play with this team, holding them back from ever progressing beyond mediocrity, really. Uh, Nikki Hall, Nikki, you're live on the post game. Uh, can you all hear me? I got you, Nikki. Awesome, awesome. How's it going, Bill? How are you tonight? Hey, man, I'm here. Um, but uh, some good news. If uh, you don't feel like watching this crapshoot of a team, you got the Wings and what is it? The Wings and uh, Eagles playing Saturday, too. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> oh, that's right. The goddamn Eagles game is the same time as the Flyers. Oh, so, oh man. All right. Yep. I have to miss the Eagles game for this shit show. <laughs> At least that's a fake game, too. Eh, that's true. But, I mean, hey, that's probably something to... I'd much rather watch Gardner Minshew than this Flyers team. Oh, is he actually starting on Saturday? I didn't hear that. I assume that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because who would their opponent be? They'd be... They think they... I saw somewhere earlier you'd be facing, like, the Rams or Tampa Bay or something like that. It's probably the Rams, but it's uh, there's going to be some movement, but I don't think there's anything they can personally do. Uh, and, like, choosing between opponents is a bunch of teams that's better than you. What do you got for me on the Flyers tonight, Nikki? Um, What haven't I got on you about the Flyers? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, this game, I essentially did chalk this up as an L, but, like, the way that it played out, um, like, honestly, the one, at least one of the players I know is probably going to be beneficial to us, maybe not necessarily in the long run, but long enough, is uh, Atkinson. Like, he's basically being paid to shoot and score goals, and that's what he did tonight. So, Now, Atkinson is one of the veterans I would like to see uh, stay around to kind of help usher in the uh, the next crop of guys if they do try to they do mm-hmm. do try to blow this thing up a little. Him and Farabee seem mm-hmm. to have really good chemistry, and uh, you're gonna need it can't just be all kids. Like you're gonna need mm-hmm. some veterans. I don't think he's good enough to like win you games and keep you out of like uh, what what Giroux and Voracek essentially were like guys who stopped you from bottoming out. I don't think he's good mm-hmm. enough to do that. Uh, so it doesn't hurt you in terms of a rebuild there. But I do okay. think he's a good enough locker room guy and a good enough player for other players to learn from uh, mm. that it would be fine to keep him around. And I definitely have to get some uh, get some get some uh, prop points to uh, who was it? Zamula. Zamula actually does, he's not a too terrible of a defenseman. Like he's obviously a better. I mean, as if this is obvious enough. Like he's obviously a better option to play like over. Like I would rather have him over Yandel any day. Like oh, they're they're all better than Yandel. They're all better than uh, Connaughton. They're all better than Nick Sealer. Like York and Zamula not playing during this time has been ridiculous. It's great to see them get in tonight, and mm-hmm. there's absolutely mm-hmm. no reason for them to go back. Just keep them in and see how it goes because it can't go worse. Like it can't go worse. No, We're terrible. It, it really, honestly, can't. And like, yeah, they are playing up against, like, I know in the AHL you're not going up against star power like Crosby or, like, you know, Stamkos or, you know, any of, like, the top league stars. But, like, at the same time, you're going to eventually be going up against, you know, higher-level opponents that, you know, have star power players or players that, you know, have the leadership and are going to, you know, put their boot to your throat and it's going to be up to you as you know, uh, it's gonna be up to them to basically put on a counterattack, which they're pretty good as far as that goes. But it's like the, the kids can't do it themselves. Like, no, I yeah, don't. It's gonna, it's gonna take more than the kids. They're and they're gonna if they were to make something of this, they need reinforcements. But I don't see that happening. Which is really unfortunate because, like, you know, and, and I, it's just there's nothing we can do with. You know, a majority of our players, at least six of them are on COVID in COVID protocol, and only three of them actually are on like the IR. So it's like, you know, we're basically, you know, we're we're basically playing with fire when it comes to making the lineup. This is somewhat reminiscent of the Lake. I forget how you say the name. Tahoe. Tahoe. There we go. Yeah, it was a lot like that tonight. Like this was a semi. Like this was pretty close to a fake game. Uh, but you're get, every team is going through this. Like Pittsburgh went through it in the beginning of the year before they even had COVID, when they just didn't have Crosby and Malkin, Latang missed time. They uh-huh. still won games. So it's uh-huh. you can only complain so much about this shit. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Um, it's honestly, and just the last thing before I add off, uh, like if Gando wants to continue his Iron Man streak, like just freaking put him, trade him for picks or something. Like that's fine if he wants to continue his this this silly Iron Man streak of his, but like don't have it be here. Like and of course, as always, I appreciate these post games too. Bill, like 
you got it, Nikki. I appreciate it a lot as well. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was saying, like, Keith Yandel, one of the guys that uh, you'll be able to move, even if it's for very little, uh, some team will think, oh, you know, we'll add some depth heading into the playoffs or something. Who in their right mind would trade for Keith Yandel? He stinks. Like, you're not going to be able to get rid of him. You're going to have to waive him. That's it. All right, uh, Johnny Dyer. Johnny, you're live on the post game. How's it, Bill? How you doing tonight, Johnny? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. Um, you know, I I realized like how all right I was when they had that quick whistle goal called off, and I barely gave a fuck. Like I started to get mad about it, and then I was like, eh, you bet yeah. the Penguins minus a goal and a half anyway. <laughs> I just was like, well, what's it? I mean, yeah, sure, it's one one, but like. You know, not not long after it was two zero, and then three, and like, what's a, yeah? I knew that was coming. Everybody knew that. Every Flyers fan should have known that was coming anyway. Uh, I yeah, was gonna it's... say, like, I'm so happy that uh, Ron Hextall is the GM in Pittsburgh now. Like, I'm I'm hoping he does all of the great things that he did in Philadelphia there. He he makes all the fantastic picks that he made there that he did when he was here as the GM. It's, hopefully he screws up their future because, like, presently, you know, he goes out and finds a guy like Evan Rodriguez. Like, the exact type of move he needed to make here and didn't in his entire tenure. Like, and again, like, they have a culture of being able to turn those guys into something. It goes beyond Hextall. It's just kind of right. what they do. Like, you know, Mark Donk is a thing. Uh, and, but, like, <laughs> you know. But like, how how did like his his first attempt there? He like fucking hits a home run. And, you know, the whole time here, it's like, yeah, we're gonna bring in Yuri Laterra. You know, we're gonna give Adam Hall a shot. Like, you know, it's whoever was in charge of picking him up, they also picked up Brian Burke. And as much as people laugh at Brian Burke and his idea of like truculence being important or whatever, like he had to have had a say in who they brought in. So maybe he's keeping, you know keeping some of Hextall's, like, whatever. His initial, like, jump on this guy reaction. I like, forgot oh, Burke was there. That's yeah. right. He's, like, an assistant GM there. So, like, I don't know, maybe he's the brains. And, like, Hextall really does blow. And Brian Burke was the one who was like, no, we need this Rodriguez kid. Who, but who knows? Maybe. maybe. Uh, but I, I was also, like, super stoked to see Yamcork. I think at, like, the end of the second, they said he had, like, the most time on ice. And I, like, that was astounding to me because for like on on various podcasts and then all kinds of they're like oh well he needs he needs that seasoning right he needs that ahl seasoning and the thought is like oh well he's not doing so great in the ahl same with uh who was the goalie that played the other day for them um felix sandstrom felix sandstrom same kind of thing like well he's not really tearing it up in the minors but people take into account the fact that like the team in the minors fucking blows and their coach is garbage. So maybe those guys, if like Yam Quirk would be a lot better if he's making a pass, if the person who is receiving the pass is doing what they're supposed to be doing or can actually receive the pass. Now he's in a position to like play with guys who have, uh, well, or supposedly have real talent. I mean, he must be doing something right if he had the second – If he, I think he had the most time on ice at some point uh, at the end of the second. I don't know how the game ended. I haven't been able to look at that um, at his time. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, Johnny, because you made a good point, and it was uh, during the last game because it was J.J. and Jonesy talking about it during the broadcast how 
you know, the talk of uh, York hasn't looked great in the AHL. Maybe he's looking a little better already in the NHL. And they brought up the idea that like the NHL is just a more structured game. So the mm. like high IQ players like can't, York isn't like a you know free for all you know flashy breakout player, but he's a high IQ player. Uh, and, and in a more structured game, like you said, with teammates who like supposedly at least know where to be, a guy like that who uses his vision, uses his first pass, uses a little bit of elusiveness to uh, create a little more time back there, like he will actually be able to utilize those skills more in the NHL than he would in the AHL, which is more of an open game. And like you said, uh, on a team with very little talent and a terrible coach. I would love to see. Um, I'm gonna let you go like this. I, you were just talking about it, I think, with uh, with Nikki, but I'm not 100% sure. Like, I actually would love to see, like, if they were able to trade guys, like those veterans they have. Like, I understand it might be hard to trade JVR. It might be hard. Like, and I, I don't particularly like him anyway. But like, and I know he's good and whatever people uh, people like him. I don't care. I hate that guy. <laughs> I still am bitter about that Patrick Kane draft. So I'll never let it go. But I would love to see them be able to move some of those older guys that have contracts, if it's possible, and just play the youth. See what you have and let them – if they're going to get a blip, look, they just lost 6-2. to two. Like, what's the difference if they if that keeps happening for the rest of the season with guys who might be able to, like, benefit from experience in the NHL? Like, this team's not going anywhere. So get rid of guys with contracts who you can, who will, you know, if it's possible, and then just play – I mean, Connor Bunneman was playing today. Like, whatever. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. See, like, see if he's something, you know? And thanks a lot, Johnny. Uh, and that's, like, Johnny just brought up, like, might be hard to move JVR. If you're going to move on from JVR, it'll probably be in the off season when he only has one year left on his deal. Uh, but there's a list of veterans on this team on one-year deals. I mean, Derek Broussard, one year, 825K. You can absolutely get something. Uh, excuse me. You can absolutely get something for Derek Broussard at the deadline. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, wrist line in one year, five point four million. You can you can cover half his contract, no problem. Uh, Justin Braun, one year, one point eight million. Who wouldn't take on that cap hit for the kind of defensive depth heading into the playoffs that Justin Braun brings you? Keith Yandel, yeah, I know, one year, nine hundred k. You probably, I mean. I, I don't know who would want Keith Yandel, but uh, there's a lot of dumb teams out there. You know, Martin Jones, one year, two million. Like, who wouldn't? I can name, you know, Edmonton. If they get their shit turned around, they're very badly gonna need a goalie. Uh, Colorado very badly needs a goalie. Like, these are Colorado's going to the playoffs. Why wouldn't they want Martin Jones over what they have? Uh, Nate Thompson, who cares? Uh, I keep scrolling down because there's even more guys. But, like, that's a list of guys with one year on their deal that you can get something for. Uh, and it's not it's not huge moves. It's not you're getting a ton of first-round picks or anything. But uh, they need to start accumulating assets because this is a joke right now, and they need a huge influx of talent. Uh, Warren Brody, Warren, you're live on the post game. How you doing, Bill? Tough game Warren. tonight. Oh, yeah. uh, I do agree that, that the part of the problem with it, but the whole problem with the Flyers is they just have a losing culture somewhere along the line. And I guess maybe uh, the last nine, 10 years, it's just the team has died. 
They, have, they don't have the leadership anywhere in the organization. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that I do think they're going to have a top five, top ten pick this year because I think to talk about Hayes being injured, Couturier is injured, Ellis is injured. They're going to trade Giroux. Broussard is injured. He can't play. They're not going to have enough players. They're going to have a lot of young players in there the rest of the year. I don't see them winning more than five or six more games. I think they're going to tank. I think they're going to tank. I was really glad to hear, and I thought the broadcast was terrible tonight, but one thing they said that I fully agreed with, um, at some point, like if Kevin Hayes is going to be here, which he is – you can't let him keep going out. He's going to get irreparably injured. Like, it's like you can't just keep letting this guy play with what is clearly an unhealed surgery. Yeah, it's this is the Flyers are a mess. Their medical team has been substandard. Every part of this organization over the last, and I guess it's 10 years, but it seems longer to me. But, um, you know, I, re- I remember when Holmgren, Holmgren did a great job and. You know, you got to find a leadership group again, and then you got to surround them with good young players. But they got to get guys that can skate. They got to get guys that are aggressive. This team tonight, these guys should have been thrilled to be out there, to have a chance to play a lot of minutes. And they just played so scared, and they just, it's just it's, really disgusting. Also- you would think that guys would want to step up tonight, but it's, it's, it's never- crap, man. It's no, just horrible. No. They had a bunch of guys in the lineup tonight who don't belong there, don't belong in the role they're in, up against, you know, it's fucking Crosby's Penguins, you're yeah. against your rival, and they played last night. Like they, Pittsburgh played last night. You needed to come out and beat on them physically early in I, this game. And they I just agree. Did. They were so passive. Yeah, it's just the way they play and they just the players that they have. You know, you really think Van Riemsdyk's going to hit anyone? Or Joel Farabee's not aggressive. None of them are aggressive. And I'm not talking about taking someone's head off. I'm talking about winning battles in the corner. When Blom is shot, uh, that's a shame. And I, I don't know what they do about that. Maybe next year he's better. I, I don't know. Just, it's just, you know, and this McEwen, I mean, he's terrible. <laughs> I know he's tough and I like, like that. And he's a gamer, but he's really not that good. Yeah, he's a blind player. Like that's just well, he's not is. even a. I'm not even sure he's that. But well, whatever. He can't score. <laughs> he's, you know. So I know it's a shame. I don't know where to go here. But if I were them, I would agree with accumulating as many assets as you can. Get draft picks. I would tank this year. I think. I think there's a good opportunity to tank with all these. Some of these guys are injured. Some of these guys on the last year of contract. You know, you can move on from them. Uh, play, play Sandstrom more. Not that he's a bad goalie, but, you know, give him a chance. If you really want to think as the, the backup goalie now, play him more. But I don't know. We're going to have a lot of long nights this year. Yeah, I agree, Warren, and thanks a lot. Yeah, like a guy like Sandstrom we talked about on BSH earlier this week. Like, I don't even – it's not even the idea of tanking to to play him. Uh, I do think, you know, at a certain point this season, you have to look towards the future. And, you know, we said maybe it's after the deadline when you make some of these moves, then you go towards that. But, man, finding out if Felix Sandstrom can play at this level, 
should just be an organizational priority at this point. Like you have Carter Hart, that's set. Imagine if you didn't have to go out and spend money on a backup, if he just had one and he was here and he's an unproven guy that you drafted, you know, like he will always be cheaper because of that. Uh, I made the comparison, like the Rangers have Shesterkin and Georgiev. Imagine if you had that sort of, yep, both of our guys are homegrown. Both of our guys are going to be here a long time, and it, it, we have faith in both of them. Like, find out if if Sandstrom can be that guy. Uh, Matt, Matt, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill, uh, you got me there. I got you. How are you tonight? I'm pretty good. Happy, uh, happy New Year. It's uh, it's been a while. Um, I apologize. I've uh, had a few drinks this evening. My uh, my girlfriend said actually to not call, but uh, I wanted to call. <laughs> um, so I'm just here. In Winnipeg, looking out the window, it's minus fucking 30, and I see more life out here <laughs> than I saw on that ice today. <laughs> is that is that minus 30 Celsius? No, no, I converted it for you. <laughs> oh, wow, that's the seed now. That's how you know. That's how you know everyone else knows that we're ignorant Americans, and you're going to have to do the math for us, because I wouldn't know what the fuck that means. Minus, but the, minus 30, Jesus Christ, it's like 40 here, and I'm freezing. That's uh, that's how uh, Claude Giroux feels probably right now. <laughs> Um, anyway, I just uh, I want to to kind of ask you, you know, we we haven't talked a lot about our our favorite man this evening, the the man of the hour, Keith Yandel. Oh, um, you know, if if he does go and he breaks this record, he gets all these fans to jump out of their seats. And I don't know if you remember when Washington won, and there was that girl that showed <laughs> her chest up against the glass. Absolutely. What, what, what are we going to see if that man breaks that record? Is there going to be some guy running up to the glass, lifting up his shirt? <laughs> yeah, look, are they giving out bobbleheads? It's the most meaningless. No one – like it would be one thing if like he spent his career here like Ivan Provorov before COVID, you know, hadn't missed a game in his career. And like if, if 10 years from now we were doing this for him, at least that would be like, okay, we watched every single one of his games. But Keith Yandel wasn't, like, he's a fucking journeyman. Like, I don't care about Keith Yandel a little bit. Uh, no one cares. This record will mean nothing two minutes after it's set. I just, I, I don't get it. It's, like, Keith Yandel is, like, somebody else mentioned earlier today, you know, like, what, do I, what are we? What is this team? We're, we're a fucking orphanage. Keith Yandel. <laughs> Is that kid that's been there forever, that's got like a droopy eye, that, that, that nobody wants to adopt, and we're going to celebrate when he outlasts all the other kids. He's like, he's a 17 and a half year old orphan. You're just, <laughs> yeah, six more months, kid. Yeah. Anyway, just just on a serious point, um, I saw Friedman was mentioning, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, um, that Indeed, you know, talks are about trading Giroux, but the Provorov's name is being put out there quite a bit. And I mean, you know, rumors are rumors, right? But um, doesn't it kind of, I mean, I mentioned this before, but doesn't it kind of say something, you know, after that defense core was supposed to be the highlight, you know, lead us to the promised land. He's you know, Bru- Bruce Willis and, and Yakatomi Tower, save, <laughs> that, that defense core was going to save us all. And the only guy that's going to be left if Provorov goes is Sanheim. Moran's still around too. 
that, that's true. That's true. Moran can be like that driver in Yakatomi, that kid waiting in the car to get a chance, <laughs> and he's that? gonna he's ride a, in and save us. <laughs> he's he's Argyle, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I I don't have much more. Just uh, uh, I don't know. You gotta laugh about it a little bit sometimes. Oh, absolutely, Matt. It would be, and thanks a lot, really appreciate it. It would be wildly depressing if we didn't laugh about it sometimes. But yeah, I mean, um, listen, Ivan Provorov, I still think is a, could be used better and be a very useful player on a good team. Uh, he's just clearly not a number one defenseman. I have disagreed with some of my colleagues on BSH who believe he's a fine number two. I say no, because if you need a number one to look like a number two, then you're actually a second pair defense. Like what happens like happened this year or happened two years ago when Niskanen retired? What happens when that guy's not there anymore? Suddenly you are no longer a first pair defenseman because your first pair partner is in there. So you're not that good. He's a second pair defenseman. Like I believe Provorov and Sandheim need to be used together at some point. They need two first-pair defensemen. Maybe Ellis will be that guy next year or something, but uh, if he were to be traded, it would say a lot about how disappointing this crop of uh, formerly young players, the Hextall-drafted players, and I know Holmgren was uh, Moran was a Holmgren guy, but the, this group of defensemen, um, was it Moran and, and Haig were 2013? Uh, then 14 was Sanheim, uh, 15 was Provorov. Like, Mike, Shane Goss's pair is going to end up being the best one. <laughs> was he 11 or 12, I think? I can't remember. Uh, Patrick Reed Miller. Patrick, you're live on the post game. Hi, Bill. How you doing? How are you tonight, Patrick? I'm fucking miserable. I got tickets to that game. Just oh god! Up the seats. <laughs> they were like twelve rows up from the ice, but um, I guess I'll keep it short. Fucking. Uh, before you get to your thing, Patch. So you were there tonight. Yeah. What is the mood? In like, are people frustrated? Are people just like ah fuck, like apathetic? What is the mood in the building during like halfway through tonight's game? Oh my god! It was like. Well, well, first off, you know how many Pittsburgh fans were in the arena? They did seem to cut to quite a few during the broadcast. There were so many Pittsburgh fans, and, like, there's no fight, man. It was so bad. And, like, watching Keith Yandel in person and that third pair, they got absolutely torched all fucking night. And, like, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was fun, but it was miserable at the same time. Let's put it that way. And then... Most people just stayed so they could wait for the traffic to thin out, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I always think now, like, um, I'm going to stay and beat the traffic. Got one good hit, everybody cheered. I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. Yeah. I'm just I'm just ready for, I don't know, like, where do we go? <laughs> and that's a, that's a great question. I have no idea where they go from here. Thanks for taking my call, though, Bill. All right, you got it, Patrick. Thanks a lot for checking in. Uh, let's go to... Colt, I'm going to try this. <laughs> Roturkis? Colt Roturkis? Very close, Bill. Roturkis. Yeah, I should have. I should have. Nope. I, nope. I speak Very. English. I should have been able to know. No, it's, it's as German as it gets. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm Wilhelm Motz. I should have known. Yeah, good. But uh, 
So first of all, I, uh, I live out here in Wyoming. Bum fuck Wyoming. But been a diehard Flyers fan from 2008. And I just canceled my ESPN Plus subscription because these bums piss me off so bad. <laughs> so fucking bad. That's uh, – I don't blame you, Colt. Like, I, I don't blame you at all. Why – if you had to go out of your way, like, subscribe to ESPN Plus or whatever, uh, get on a subway, like, why would you – why would anybody go out of their way to watch this horrible team? They're not entertaining at all. And I love – I love Claude Drew. I will – I would give my life for Claude Drew. I, I do. I love the man. And that's about it. I mean, he's the only reason I still have some hope in this team. But it just – I'm just depressed. I'm a sad, depressed person out here trying to watch the Flyers play. It's just sad. It is. It's a shame. Like, we are – like, you're out in Wyoming, but Philadelphia fans are the most passionate. Like, we care so much about our teams, and we develop these emotional connections to players. Like, you said, you, you love Claude Giroux. Like, so do I. I This is my job, and I love Claude Giroux. And, like, I have no emotional connection to anyone else on this team. I think Kevin Hayes is pretty cool. You know, I wish Provorov was a lot better. I really hope Carter Hart is, like, a, a stud franchise goalie. But I have no emotional connection to anybody else. And, see, mine was mine was Travis Konecki. I, lo- I, I was a very big Travis Konecki fan back back two, three years ago. I love Travis Konecki, but he's dead to me. I mean, he, he has done nothing for us. He hasn't. I mean, he's... He's boring to watch, and he's just—he's a—he makes stupid plays all the time, Bill, and it just frustrates me. I—I uh, gotta—you know what? It's funny. Travis Konechny didn't even come to my mind. Maybe it's because he wasn't in the lineup tonight or whatever. But yeah, two, three years ago, it looked like okay, this is the next. Not even—he doesn't have to be a superstar, but guy who just like you have some sort of connection to a guy you yep. like to watch. And these last two years. He has been the opposite of fun to watch. He's he's just not good. Exactly. And Bill, I appreciate you. I listen. I I work as a uh, maintenance man. I listen to you guys every day. I love what you do. And just remember, there is one player worse than Keith Yandel, and that's Nolan fucking Patrick. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks, Colt. I appreciate it. Uh, you know what, Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick is doing more for Vegas by not being in the lineup. Uh, if Patrick was playing, I'd agree. But since he's out of the lineup, he's actually helping. You know, he can't hurt Vegas. Meanwhile, Keith Yandel continues to hurt Flyers by playing. Uh, let's see. Wyatt Metzger. Wyatt, you're in. The, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. How are you tonight, Wyatt? <laughs> Well, I'm doing all right. I flew in from uh, Texas today for this game for my brother and I to attend together. Uh, unfortunately, my first uh, Flyers-Pens game ever was a 6-2 blowout. Um, I understand, hey, it is what it is. Uh, we've got, what, six players on COVID protocol. It is what it is. Uh, but, hey, I would have loved to see a little bit more of an effort. Um, it's disappointing. Um, we'd love to see these boys play a little bit harder. It was great to see Cam play. It was great to see Zamula play. But, uh, damn, damn, that game was disappointing. I flew in. I've been up since 2 a.m. today. Um, and this this has been the highlight of a four-day weekend home visiting the family. And damn is all I've got to say. Damn. 
Yeah, I, I feel you, Wyatt. And I again, anyone who goes out of their way to watch this team, attend games, like I feel for you because we all love it. it it's it, if we could give up, we would. You know, I always say, do you think I chose this? Like, it's why I, sometimes I freak out about Mets fans, and it's because like you have the best thing in the world right there in your city, the Yankees. And you're like, nah, I'm going to go with the loser. Like, do you think I like rooting for these awful teams? No, I, I do because it's part of who I am. And when they just disappoint us like this constantly over and over, uh, it hurts. Bill, I love having you on BSH more than just about anybody else in all of Philadelphia Flyers podcast world because you represent us, the average fan, more than anybody else. And, yeah. The Flyers might not have won anything since I've started paying significant attention in 2013. And yeah, the Flyers might not have become a Stanley Cup champion or a Stanley Cup contender. But I love Claude Drew, and I love going and watching these boys play. And I love watching us uh, get into fights with the Philly, with the uh, with, with, with the Penguins. This is my first game ever live watching Sidney Crosby play. But damn, damn is all I have to say. Like... I've been waiting for this game for years, and our boys didn't do much more for us other than a 6-2 loss. I understand we have several players up for their first game for their Phantoms. I understand we got several guys who haven't played more than three, four, five NHL games. But damn, this game sucked. I spent a bunch of ticket, a bunch of money so my brother and I could spend uh, a game together enjoying watching the Flyers in the lower bowl and watching the Flyers real close to the glass and, and seeing the guys put in energy. And we would have loved to see Claude. I mean, Claude, I mean, Claude Giroux, the best Flyer since I was born, since Eric Lindros was a Philadelphia Flyers in 1995, right? Claude Giroux is the best Flyer since the 1990s, but damn, we didn't get to see him play because of this COVID protocol. And it would have been incredible to see Claude Drew play against Sidney Crosby and the Flyers beat them 3-2 to two in overtime or anything else. But we had to watch a 6-2 absolute beating. We got to watch the refs uh, turn around a call that absolutely 110% should have been a call for us. And the next thing we know, instead of it being a 1-1 to game, it was a 2-0 to game. And the next thing we know, it was a 3 to nothing game. And then the, the Flyers tried to claw their way back in. They tried to do what they could, but it wasn't enough. And the game was too far gone. It's just like, damn, I flew in from Dallas this morning. I've been up since 2.30 a.m., and and this is what we got? I don't know, Dan. I don't know, Bill, but I appreciate everything you do putting in uh, these post games on BSH Radio. I appreciate you representing us, the average fan, showing how how pissed off we get, how how annoyed we get, how much we care about this team, and how much we want to see this team succeed. And I appreciate you being someone who's able to represent that voice, represent that frustration of the average fan. And, uh, yeah, this game kind of sucked. I had a good time with my brother. I had a good time with several people in our section, in Section 108 tonight. But, damn, we should have won this game. Damn, we should have had Claude in this game. And, damn, this game should have been a W. But, Unfortunately, this season that we all saw back in September as being a Stanley Cup contending season is, man, we're gonna we're gonna look at getting a top ten pick this year, and it's brilliant. Thanks a lot, Wyatt. I really appreciate it. Um, damn, yeah, it's that's one of the things. I know everyone has their different thoughts about the COVID protocol and everything. 
Uh, and I have no idea what Claude Giroux's, you know, health status is or whatever, but it does hurt like uh, Wyatt just said. It's his first time seeing Flyers' pens up close. You'll want to see Crosby versus Giroux. And, you know, a million things can happen, but, you know, G doesn't miss games. <laughs> he misses very few games every single year, if any. Uh, and you have something like this. Uh, keeping players out. It, it absolutely sucks. Um, I feel for you. That's rough. Uh, Milwaukee Drew. Milwaukee Drew, you're live. Hit the unmute mu- Hit the unmute button, Drew. Oh, whoops. I hit the wrong one. Yeah, got yeah I gotcha. You're good now. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Bill, I was just going to say, well, you're kind of like the Claude Drew of uh, post games. <laughs> I uh I, I appreciate that. I hope I hope other people feel that that's the case. I You're think always... I miss a few I miss a few more than uh than G does. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, you had said um earlier before uh, about you know who who exactly would want you know Keith Yandel to trade. Well, weren't you kind of saying that, or I guess we were all saying that who would want Eric Gustafson? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, a few years ago, Mark Strike gets traded. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And there are teams that have the depth and have the coaching. Like, last year, Keith Yandel didn't look like absolute dog shit because they had good defensive depth and they had, you know, regardless of Joel Quenville being a horrible guy, he's a pretty good hockey coach. And, you know, you were able to use that to overcome his deficiencies and the flyers like they've got Yandel out there with waiver claims. Like it's a little different. So, you know, they got a bunch of guys they're trying to shelter and it doesn't work. So maybe someone would take a chance and he even bring him in as a seventh defenseman just to have some depth and uh, experience there. You can do something probably. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't get to watch many games being out here uh, on, Wisconsin, but uh, since it was on Hulu where I was, I feared I'd at least watch and see what all the, well, not what the fuss was about, but it just appeared uh, like when I watched the Flyers, when they have the puck, like the other four guys look like me when they're trying to skate. It's like they're in, they're stuck. And it's like when the Penguins are, like the Penguins always seem like they were constantly moving. Like it just looked like two totally different levels of teams out there. And it's just, I can't, I don't know if you're watching the same thing that I am, but it's just a lot of, you know, when there are flyers without the puck, they're, they're standing still. They're not like, they're not doing anything. And then you see them turn it over. And how many times did the penguins have a breakaway where they got past the last line of defense because they're either caught up ice, you know, like I just, it, it looked like I was watching two different teams out there. No, it really, the, the stationary nature of the flyers is like, it's something we've been talking about all year because it just really stands out, especially against these, not, you don't even have to be the fastest team and, and Pittsburgh has speed, but like, these teams that are well coached that just it seems like everything they do is in service of getting towards the net because yeah. the net is where goals are scored and the flyers just 
stand on the perimeter and wait for something to open up, hopefully. And other teams, like, take that space and, and create plays with it. Like, I saw a drop pass tonight. The Penguins used a drop pass, but it wasn't really – like both guys after they the guy who dropped the puck goes towards the net gets to open ice and the guy who took the drop pass took the open space in front of them they dropped the puck back and a second later we're both further ahead and just the opposite of what the flyers do it's so frustrating to watch them because they are so stationary yeah uh, that's got to be a coaching thing like or at least i don't know if i mean i'm sure yo's not if if we can see it, I'm sure Mike Yo can see it. That's the like I want to always blame the coaches, but I always think like, all right, there's no way the coach is telling them to stand still. Right. Like, like that can't be the strategy. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks very much, Bill. Uh, you know, like I said, you are always, always like you. You know, most of the time I'm just listening the next day, but uh, you you do a great service uh, for us all with um the post games plus uh. You know, you sort of carry the flag for us to, um, you know, like earlier callers mentioned on uh, BSH Radio. I appreciate it, Drew. That uh, that honestly means a lot to me because that's uh, that's what I'm going for here. Like, I'm just uh, I'm just a fan who likes to talk. <laughs> you know, that's that's what I am. Uh, Matt Gemino, Matt, you're live on the post game. Hey, can you imagine being? as bad at your job as Keith Yandel is at his and being paid $900,000 to do it. I, 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 it's a, it's honestly a dream to, to, to like build enough of a reputation where long after you've stopped being effective, you get paid almost a million dollars to suck. Yeah. That guy's got the life, man. I'll tell you. Um, I, I'm, I'm honestly not calling to complain too much. Uh, I knew going into this game, I was watching the Penguins against an AHL team. So if anything, my state of mind right now is, is my fault for voluntarily tuning in. Um, <laughs> it's, I, it's I just, a healthy way to think about it. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, I'm not even really disappointed in the team anymore. Uh, somebody earlier used the word apathetic. I, I think I'm more apathetic than disappointed. And I actually think that's more depressing than being disappointed. If you're disappointed, that means you had expectations. And when you're apathetic, it's just, it's cause you have no expectations. And I, I just, yeah. I, I just don't have any optimism anymore. Um, I feel badly for heart. And I, I watch, I'm mean, what was that two or three, consecutive breakaways on heart there. It, it felt like in such a short amount of time, he just got back from COVID. Um, I felt bad for him, you know, as far I'm as hard bring up heart. Cause that's something I wanted to mention. The guy gave up six goals tonight and watching the game. I'm like, I don't know, maybe the sixth one he'd want back. Like, it's just a like there's a couple slam dunks around the net. There's him diving into the net to almost save what like, it, I can't complain about how the guy he the, the Penguins scored six, and I'm not complaining a little bit about Carter Hart. Yeah, I said to my girlfriend who was watching the game with me, and she's actually a she's a Penguins fan. She grew up in Pittsburgh, and that makes for some interesting times in my house. But um, even she said, I said, did you notice that they haven't pulled Hart? I said because Mike Yo knows this is not Carter Hart's fault, and she said the same thing. She said, yeah, he doesn't look bad. He's just he's just only one guy. He he can't. 
stop every shot when there's no team playing in front of them. Um, I'm, but I'm watching the game trying to look for a bright spot, and I'm thinking, what is it? Is it Cam York? Is it, It's hard to even get excited about a bright spot when, even if you can find one, when they're just – so many glaring needs uh, on the team. And I, I think I can sum up the way I feel about the Flyers lately. Several games ago, I was watching equally as apathetically, and I just realized that the most exciting thing for me in that particular game was that I noticed somebody in the stands wearing a Michael Neuvert jersey, and I forgot that guy even existed, and I just got a oh chuckle God. out of it. And that was the highlight of that game for me. That's... That would be a highlight to see a Neuvert. I always like that's got to be a season ticket holder who got unlucky and like jersey off our back night, right? Like <laughs> that's what that's what it has to be. I guess my my last point I'll make and then I'll let you go. Uh, massive organizational problems, cultural problems, and, and there's some luck involved with with hitting on a draft pick and things. And somebody earlier mentioned Nolan Patrick. The uh, I'm so the guy from I think Wyoming mentioned Nolan Patrick, and I remember when they when they lucked into that pick, and I remember reading the scouting reports, and the scouting reports at the time said Nolan Patrick was the most NHL ready prospect in the draft. We lucked into the pick. Hextall made the pick that anybody would have made there. So I know we've debated ad nauseum how much blame do you put on Hextall, and a lot of us supported his strategy at the time. I don't know how much of it was mistakes on his part versus how much of it was just you just didn't have the luck. Um, But I don't know. If we walked out of it with Carter Hart, I don't know how much of a consolation prize that is. I love Hart, and I'm really rooting for the kid. I've been waiting 20 years for a goalie. Um, but that's where I'll leave it. I, I guess you know that's the one thing I'll try to walk away from uh, this season is maybe we got it. We're going to lose Giroux, but maybe we got a goalie. Yeah, and thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah, like the, the Nolan Patrick thing is tough uh, because it was the consensus pick. But I always say, like, yeah, I, I, I was wrong. Like, shit, I mean, personally, I liked Nico Heashier, but Nico Heashier went one. So, uh, you know, it's not he was on the board. You couldn't get him. Um, but if you're going to go with the consensus pick rather than the right pick, uh, I could be GM. Uh, like, you know, if it's just like, oh, yeah, well, the hockey news has this guy ranked one and two. Uh, so I'm going to go with that. Like anyone, anyone could just do that. Like you get paid to be right. End of the day. Uh, you know, it's not even just like they, they make the Nolan Patrick, uh, they make the Nolan Patrick pick. And then, you know, they say one, the main reason they traded Braden Shen was to open up a roster spot for, uh, you know, well, he's NHL ready. So we needed that roster spot, uh, you know, and, and it's a good trade. You know, you get Morgan Frost, you get Joel Farabee out of it. And that's, that's fine for Braden Shen. That's all well and good. But it's just, man, Kale McCarr stepped on the ice his first NHL hockey in the playoffs and was one of the best players on the ice. And now the dude is fucking Bobby Orr. Like, I don't mean he's having sex with Bobby Orr. I mean, he looks like the next Orr. I I, I didn't see the box or anything. It may not even have started. Yeah, it's 1040. It definitely started. But coming into the night, the dude has missed four or five games and he's got 14 goals. He's on like a 43 or 44 goal pace. Um, two defensemen ever have scored 40 goals. 
Paul Coffey did it twice and Orr did it. Like, uh, imagine if we had that guy. Flyers and AZ, Flyers and AZ, you're live. I see you. How are you tonight? Yo, how's it going, man? Um, God, it's hard to get out. You, the Flyers being bad is the best thing that ever happened to your podcast. This is <laughs> a, a list of people. Unbelievable. Um, I thought I was going to call and complain about Yandel, uh, but then I realized it's 2022, and that's my New Year's resolution. I can't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> but a, a previous caller mentioned uh, Brian Burke, and it got me to thinking, how many ex-Flyers goalies are GMs in the league? Because isn't Gar Snow one too? Is Snow uh, is Snow still is. in the league? I, I think he is. I'm not sure. I know he was GM. he was with the Islanders forever. Uh, I'm sure he has a job somewhere. So yeah, like there's a there's a lot around the league. There really are. Huh, kind of crazy. Anyway. Um, I don't know. I guess that's all I was going to say. I forgot everything else. Put the game behind me, move forward, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Here we go. Next game. That's a healthy attitude. I uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, waiting waiting on hold. I know it's tough. We had a lot tonight, uh, but here is our last caller, 69, Mr. 60. You're going to close things out for us tonight. 60. Can you hear me? Uh, I got you. How are you? Good. Uh, thanks for uh, doing all these post games. You uh, clearly clearly aren't going to get paid enough to do the rest <laughs> of them for the uh, rest of the season. But um, as long as the check's clear, I'll keep doing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I think I have the most Flyers theory of all time. Uh, so this Keith Yandel Iron Man streak, dude, he's going to get COVID like one game before this thing, before he even like ties it or breaks it. Dude, and it's going to be the biggest fucking not. egg on Chuck Fletcher's face, and it's going to be fucking not, hilarious. They are not going to test him. Uh, there is some <laughs> sort of – there is something going on. Like the whole fucking team has it. Kevin Hayes – like he lives with Kevin Hayes. Like uh, there, there is a – they will throw that test away. They will put someone else's name on it. He is getting this streak. If he gets shot tomorrow, they are going to put him out on the fucking ice weekend at Bernie's style. He's breaking this record. Yeah, it's just it's 100 percent going to happen, especially with these the outbreak going on with that team. But, uh, yeah, going back to a couple other callers where they mentioned the Giroux rumors are heating up. I listened to uh, it was I think it was like the Jeff Merrick show or whatever. Uh, it might have been today. And Elliot Friedman said he's like. Giroux, he told Jeff Merrick, bet your mansion that Giroux will be traded by the deadline. I'm worried right now that Chuck Fletcher is the wrong person pulling that trigger, but Elliot did mention like, hey, go per, he, the conversation is go get, chase your cup this year and then come back next year and we'll figure out what's going on. So yeah, I guess uh, Giroux's open to coming back, which would be kind of cool. Thought of, I have thought about that. Like, He's only got one year left on the deal. Say he wins the cup this year. Well, he's got his name on a cup. You can get, you know, if he's really that interested in being, you know, the all-time greatest flyer or whatever, chasing down all the statistics, you give him a long-term deal for little money, and, you know, that's guaranteed money. He gets it no matter what. Uh, Maybe it's a possibility. He re-signs in the offseason after – you know, after they trade him, but that's interesting that they're all, they're positive he's going to be traded because uh, you know I, it's not like I have sources or anything. I just 
you get this feeling that they just aren't that interested in doing it. I don't know what Chuck Fletcher's doing. Like he he's been the most like tra- like he's like not he's so shy to pull the trigger on anything right now. He's just sitting on his thumbs and like dude, like you we're clearly out of the playoff mix right now. Start selling and start tanking. And honestly, like for the whole uh trade Drew crowd, take a look at tonight. It's if he leaves and he's gone for good, this is gonna be another like three seasons of nights like this. Wow, we are a point behind the Devils in the standings now. That's that's embarrassing. We're three points behind Detroit. They have the same number of games played. Like fucking Detroit. That's that's just fucking awful. Yeah, man. they're out of it. Like it's over. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Thanks for doing right, these every yep. single night. Thanks a lot, sixty. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I like I saw the standings earlier, and I was just. You know, because you never think they're that. We've seen them pull so many bullshit comebacks and all everything, but uh, like Jersey's played 35 games, we've played 34. We both have 471 points percentages, so they have one more point in one more game. Uh, yeah, Detroit's at 515 points percentage. They have 35 points in 34 games. We've 32. Like Boston is only 36 points for the second wild card, but they've only played 30 games. Like they are so far ahead of really. Yeah. They're so far ahead of the flyers. Pittsburgh sitting there in that wild card spot. Like they're only two points behind Carolina, which is nuts. Uh, Yeah. So this playoff pipe dream, especially things keep going the way they're going with the, the lineups, they're icing like, it's over before February at this pace, but that's something for us to talk about on the next BSH. That's something for us to talk about on the next post game. Excuse me on the next post game. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight. That is all the time I have for you. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already hit that subscribe button, you know, the deal search broad street hockey, wherever there are podcasts. All right, that's it, fam. Uh, I'll be here. You know, I will be uh, following the next game. I hope you are too. Until then, Have a great week, everybody.